understand that the building has sprung a leak. We've got a bucket underneath it. They're putting paper towels down there to try to soften what's going on. And I've been in a lot of service. It was just like that, leaky. And I pray that tonight we wouldn't be leaky, amen. If you have your Bibles, we're interested in the book of 1 Thessalonians, preaching a series of messages entitled Prepare for the Second Coming. And I believe the church at Thessalonica that Paul founded or established in the faith after just three days, three Sabbath days of preaching there, I believe that that church was prepared for the second coming of the Lord. They had a lot of questions. They had a lot of concerns. In chapter number four, they were concerned about what happens to their loved ones if they were to die before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. And Paul explained to them what we believe is the rapture. Now, there's a lot of people tonight, and I've been attacked somewhat since preaching last week, and I've had a lot of people come back with a lot of questions. Uh, there are a lot of different people who have ideas about the tribulation and about the rapture. So let's talk about it real quick. There are people who believe in a pre-trib rapture, that the Lord will take us out of here before the tribulation begins, to which I adhere to, according to the good word of God. There are those who believe that the word of God teaches that there is a rapture that is post-tribulation. After the tribulation, the rapture and the second coming are all in one phase. There are those that believe there is a mid-tribulation rapture, that after three and a half years of tribulation, then the rapture, and then the great tribulation three and a half years after that. Now tonight, I'm asking you to put on your thinking caps and to go down in the elevator into your heart and look real good and interpret the word of God. And if you're writing me emails and sending me texts and making comments on Facebook, if you would just listen to what I have to say for about 30 minutes or so, maybe, just maybe, you might see what the word of God teaches and why I preach it the way I do. When I look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I want to preach on this thought. A church with motivating insight. Now, Paul, I believe in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, has laid out for us the rapture of the church. For those that are blood-bought, the redeemed of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I believe that. When we come to chapter 5, the Bible says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So Paul in this chapter, and I'm not going to get it all preached tonight, but Paul begins to share with us some marks of the last days. Things or symptoms, if you will, that the church can recognize. Now, the Bible says that there would be a great falling away happen before the Lord comes back. And I believe that the great falling away is happening right now. Well, Preacher Darren, it's COVID. 
however you want to view it, there's a falling away that is happening and these are not symptoms that we're supposed to rejoice in. We just need to know that our redemption draweth nigh because there has uh, crept into the church complacency, laziness. We need to be concerned about the spiritual climate of our church. This church helps to set the tone for our community and we need to be concerned about the climate of the community and the society and the world in which we live and it starts in the pulpit of the local church and in the pews and the altars of the local assembly of believers. Amen? When I look in these first three verses, I've read two of them. Number one, we need to be aware. Paul says, brethren, those that are born of the same womb, those that are believers, I don't even need to write this to you. You know that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. You're supposed to be aware. Now, there are multiple contrasts in the text I'm going to read tonight. And I say, first of all, we need to be aware there is a contrast of terms. Did you know there is a difference between the terms day of the Lord and the day of Christ? Turn with me to, we're going to do a lot of turning, and I hope you'll buy in. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 2. The day of Christ represents the rapture pre-trib of the church. And the scriptures point this out very evidently without any, any disagreement. Look at verse 2. That ye be not, ye, talking to the church, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. What he's saying is the day of Christ, the rapture could happen at any moment. Amen? In Philippians chapter 1, and verse number 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. This is important. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you. Who is that? Jesus, who saved you. He that's begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. He's going to continue working in your life till the rapture when he takes you home. You see, the day of Christ, the rapture. Verse 10, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Chapter 2, Philippians, verse 16. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. He's talking about at the rapture. If he lived to see the rapture or if he dies before the rapture and he gets to go home to be with the Lord in the resurrection at the rapture, that he may rejoice in the day of Christ. All right, so that's one term indicating the rapture. Now, Paul wrote in Thessalonians about the day of the Lord. It's a, broad phrase. it's a broad phrase. 
and it encompasses several future events. It's mentioned 19 times in the Old Testament, at least four times in the New Testament. And the day of the Lord will begin right after the rapture of the church, speaking of the, of the tribulation. It is uh, representing the judgment, the, the wrath of God being poured out upon this earth. It is when God is intervening to vindicate for his chosen people how to destroy their enemies and to establish his kingdom. It involves, again, the beginning of the tribulation. The day of the, the, day of the Lord speaks of earthquakes, disasters, cataclysms, demonic invasions like this world has never, ever seen. It'll be a time of destruction, a time of devastation, and a time of doom. Let's study out the day of the Lord real quick. To the Old Testament we go in Isaiah chapter number two. Again, the day of Christ and the day of the Lord are two different terms. Isaiah chapter number two and verse number 12. Say amen when you found it. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty and upon every one that is lifted up and he shall be brought low. Verse 17, and the loftiness of man shall be bowed down and the haughtiness of men shall be made low and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. God is going to get vindication on the pride and the lofty that's made fun and sport of God's chosen people. In chapter 13 of Isaiah, chapter 13, verse number 6, Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. They shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one another. Their face shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven... And the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth. And the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. The day of the Lord is the tribulation. It's not something to get excited about. He said the day of the Lord will come as a thief. Many people say well, that means the Lord's going to come as a thief and rapture his home. What it means is he's going to come upon the sinners as a thief. They're not expecting the tribulation to begin. And just like that, the rapture takes place and the tribulation begins. Jeremiah chapter number 43. I'm going to read a bunch of these. 46. Jeremiah 46. And I'm not apologizing for making you turn so many scriptures. You need to see it. Jeremiah chapter 46, verse number 10. Jeremiah 46, 10. For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries. And the sword shall devour, and it shall be satiate, 
and made drunk with their blood. For the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. Ezekiel chapter 30. Ezekiel chapter 30 and verse number 3. For the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near, a cloudy day. It shall be the time of the heathen. Joel chapter 1. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Joel chapter number 1. Look with me at verse number 15. Alas for the day, exclamation mark, Joel 1.15. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. And as a destruction from the Almighty, it shall come. Chapter 2, verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is night hand, a day of darkness. You see that? What day is it? Of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like, neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is as a garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness. Yea, and nothing shall escape them. Verse 13, rend your hearts and not your garments. Turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him the evil. Here's what I'm telling you. You need to be saved. You better get right with God. If you think COVID's bad, if you think a world war is bad, if you think a pandemic's bad, if, if, you, if you think gas prices are bad, honey, you have no idea what's getting ready to happen to you. Zephaniah, the book of Zephaniah. I'll wait till you find this one, chapter one. I preached many years ago through all of these minor prophets. Spent some time going through all of them. Zephaniah chapter one, look at verse 14. Preacher, this is not making me happy. Honey, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to teach you and preach to you the infallible, inerrant, inspired word of God, not according to my opinion, but according to what it says. I'm just reading to you scriptures. Zephaniah chapter one, verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near. Preacher Darren, it's not. Now the rapture's gotta happen first. Do you understand that the rapture could happen right now? That's the day of Christ. And as soon as it happens, the day of the Lord, the tribulation, the judgment and the wrath, and the darkness of God is poured out. It's at hand, amen. Verse 14, the great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty men shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. I could go on and on and on. Right, listen, let's just go back to 1 Thessalonians. Let's go back. I just want to stop to say this. There is a contrast between the day of Christ, the rapture, and the day of the Lord, the tribulation. That's on purpose. There's a reason for that. We're going to talk about it. Do you remember 
in the book of Exodus chapter 5 where Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him? And God spent eight chapters sending plague after plague after plague to humble Pharaoh down. And finally, he let God's youngins go. The Antichrist will step into power and try to establish his throne and exalt himself as God and cause the world to bow before him to establish his earthly kingdom. And God's going to spend seven years destroying the Antichrist theology. And he's going to do a great job of it. Now, let's go back to our text. There's also a contrast between knowledge and ignorance. Do you remember what Paul said concerning the rapture? The church at Thessalonica had questions. Go back, chapter 4, verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. He says, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. That means I don't want you to be uninformed. They were confused. What will happen to our loved ones? What's going to happen to us when Jesus comes back? He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. And he went on to teach them about the rapture and how the dead in Christ would rise first. And the Lord's coming for those that are his, and he'll take them home. Okay? It's important that you know that. Well, now, in chapter 5, he says, Of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves you know perfectly. Now, he went from, I don't want you to be ignorant about the rapture, and then he says, I, 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 you know perfectly about the day of the Lord. How do they know? He told them. Three Sabbath days, he taught them perfectly about the day of the Lord. Paul wants the church to have full knowledge. And Paul indicates, you know, you know all that you need to know. Praise God for it. And when the tribulation comes, it comes unexpectedly. Now let's go to a New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 3. And I'm sure the guys in the sound booth trying to keep up saying, Preacher Darren, what in the world? 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter, I'm sorry, fellas. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Look with me. Man, what a chapter. You ought to read this whole chapter. Look at verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. We've read that before. It will come as a thief in the night. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Preacher, when's that going to happen? He said there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth are going to be passed away. That's what the Bible says. What is this? It's the wrath of God. It's the day of the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we do not want to be here on this earth during such chaos. And that's an easy word. And I don't think we will be. So there's a contrast in terms between knowledge and ignorance. There's also a contrast between expectancy and surprise. Look at verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians 5. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them. As travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. Interesting. Now go back to Paul talking about the rapture in chapter 4. You're close. Look at verse 15. Paul says, for this we, there's our pronoun, we. Who is we? 
Paul as a Christian say unto you, brothers and sisters in Christ. So he's talking about himself and others who are saved. We and us, there's the pronouns. But when you look at chapter 5, verse number 3, they shall say peace and safety. Then sudden destruction shall come upon them. You know what he's indicating? Ha, 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 we're not going to be here when this sudden destruction takes place. Read the book. Read what the Bible says. The pronouns are very specific and they're very important. God is sending a warning. Mm. The wrath of God is coming and folks are asleep. We, we have good church folks that's asleep and the lost and dying world is asleep. They think the biggest problem they have is the Supreme Court or the White House or the gas prices or Putin or COVID. Honey, I'm telling you, you have no idea what a bigger problem you really have. And you're worried about the roof that leaks. That should be the least thing we're worried about. We got people dying and going to hell all around us. Sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. Now, this is what I found out. My wife, at about nine months of pregnancy, getting very close, I said, you know what, honey, we've decided, we, let's not have this baby. I've carried it nine months. No, it's just, no. Let's not go through with this. Let's not. Now, what's she going to do? She going to have that baby. Ladies, you get there, you can't stop that baby from arriving. I don't care how much you hold your breath, how much you determine you're not going to scream, that baby is going to be born. And I don't care how much you say we don't like it, we're going to resist it because we're not going to have the judgment of God and the wrath of God and the darkness is not going to fall on us. Honey, this world is ripe and God's wrath is going to fall and you can't stop it. And when that baby is born, Shebby was born, Luke was born, oh, how cute, how wonderful, how perfect. I know when I was born, my daddy tied a dog, a dog bone around my neck to get the dog to play with me. I was so ugly. Took me to the beach and the tide didn't come in for two weeks. I was so ugly. I'm just telling you that the day of the Lord is going to be a horrible, harsh, terrible time and you cannot stop it from coming. It's going to happen. But I found out when she delivers, there's a birth. And God's kingdom is going to be birthed in through this process. So number one, are you aware of these events? Secondly, alert, verse four. But ye, brethren, this is important for those of you, please listen to me right here. Please listen to me, church. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all. What's the word? All. Ye are all. If you're saved and I say amen. amen. If you're saved and I put your hand up, wave it at me. Every one of you that's saved, every one of you, you are the children of light and the children of the day. Look at the pronoun. We are not of the night. 
nor of darkness. The day of Christ, the rapture of the church. The day of the Lord, the tribulation, the cataclysms, the earthquakes, the darkness, the judgment, the wrath of God. I read it and read it and read it and I can read more if I need to. Raise your hand if I'm unclear. I promise you tonight that the day of the Lord will be a time of darkness and we are the children of the day. We are the children of light. We are not going through the darkness. Paul is very clear. So if you write to me and say, I'm post-trib or I'm mid-trib, let me just tell you, church, the church, the children of light is not going through darkness. Amen? So there's another contrast. Do you see it? There's a contrast of darkness versus the day. There's a people of the day and there's a people of the darkness. Now, we're going to read some texts. The book of John, somebody got their cell phone out. John chapter 1, John chapter 1, I'm not talking about texts that I sent you. John chapter 1, verse number 4. Look with me, John 1, 4. Here we go again, preacher Dan. Yes, here we go. John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So who's the light? It's Jesus. Verse 5, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, we're not of the, of the night. We're not darkness. Why? Because we got saved. We've got the light. We're the children of the day, thank God. John chapter 3, I've heard a preacher preaching around here lately. In John chapter 3, verse 16, spent over a month on it so far. Still not done. Look at verse 19. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. John chapter 8. Boy, here's a great text. John chapter 8, verse number 12. I'm not even preaching hard, and I'm sweating bullets up here. John chapter 8, verse number 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not, what? Shall not walk in darkness. If you're really saved, you're not going to walk in the darkness of the tribulation. Why? Because you follow the light. You are children of the day. You are children of the light. You'll spend no time in darkness if you're really saved. You shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Go to 1 John. 1 John, his epistle. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. He's called us, thank God, out of the darkness into the light and we follow him. We're not following him in the darkness. We follow him in the light. Thank God for it. I have a deep text. This is deep. Minor prophet Amos. Here we go. Amos, the book of Amos. We talked earlier. Hosea, Joel, Amos. Go to Amos. Amos chapter 5. 
verse number 20. Amos 5. I might read verse 18 if it's okay. Amos 5, 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. Exclamation mark. If you desire the day of the Lord, the darkness, the judgment, the wrath of God, and you say, we're going to go through that, he's going to keep us safe, and then he's going to rapture us. He says, woe unto you. If that's your desire to go through that mess, that chaos, that catastrophe, woe unto you. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not, what does that say? It's not light. Look at verse 20. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? Honey, let's just be very clear. We are not of the darkness. We will not be in the darkness of the day of the Lord. There is a pre-tribulation rapture and the church, we are leaving, we are getting out of here before the darkness. I say thank God for it. Don't be foolish and put me in the dark. I'm a child of the day. And if the night's for you, that's your business. But the night is not for me and don't you put me in it. Even a child could understand what the word of God has to say very clearly. Just read the word, amen. The word of God is not to anyone's private opinion or your private interpretation. Picking and picking and picking. Hey, we could, we could pick a few scriptures and say, Judas went and hung himself. This do you likewise. And what thou doest, doest it quickly. You can pick it and, and have a whole cult get started and say the word of God says so. Read the word of God in context. Amen? Amen? Very clear. I got to get back to my message. First Thessalonians, I'm about to chase a rabbit. I seen it pop up right there and I was getting ready to shoot it. We're going back to First Thessalonians. Look at verse number six. Our third point, awake. We need to be awake. Preacher Darren, what'd you say? We need to be aware, we need to be alert, and we need to be awake. Verse six. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Verse seven. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. There's another contrast. Do you see it? There's a contrast of those that are sleeping and those that are sober. Those that are awake. Those that are not drunken. The lost world lives in sleep. The lost world is drunken with all the commodities of the world. The Bible is very clear. Romans. Help me, Jesus. Romans chapter 13. Lord, help me preach. Romans chapter 13. You've got to see this verse. Romans chapter 13. This is beautiful. If I can find it. Romans 13, verse number 12. Hey, you know what? Before I got saved, I was in the darkness. Before I got saved, I was asleep. I was worse than asleep. I was dead in trespasses and in sins. But one day, honey, he came by and called my name and woke me up and saved my soul. Romans 13, verse number 12. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. 
Let us therefore cast off the workness, the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. You know, he said, he said in verse number seven of our text that those that sleep sleep in the night. What is sleep? Sleep, earthly speaking, it's slumbering, it's being unaware. Uh, this morning, to be honest with you, I was going to have to take my wife to the doctor. I thought I had just a little bit extra time to sleep. You ever been there? Oh, in the morning, I'll get to sleep about 30 to 45 minutes extra. So because I said that this morning, unaware of what was going on around me, I was in a complete stupor. I was out of it. All of a sudden, something hit me on the arm. And I did like this. And something hit me again on the arm. And I looked over. It was the dog. She got me up 45 minutes early. Early. Earlier than I would normally get up. Saying, Master, hello. I got to go outside. And it was pouring rain. First thing in the morning. And you know what? I was unaware that my dog, a great big Siberian husky, who will bite your head off if you get around her mama or me. I'm telling you, that husky slept, crept up on me. I had no idea she was even there. I was asleep, and I was asleep in the night. Children of the night, they're asleep. Children of the day are to be awake. We're to be sober, aware of our surroundings. Are we aware of a looming world war and of COVID and, it's, and the things that are happening and what's happening in our government and our political system? Are you really aware that God is allowing all this to show us we're getting out of here? If you will, it's a John the Baptist bringing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a forerunner of what's getting ready to happen. Do you get it? Christians, listen to me real quick. If you're tonight, if you're sitting here, you're listening to me asleep. Wake up, wake up. If you're watching online, bless God, why are you not tonight in church? Man, I've studied and prayed over you. Get in the house of God. Get encouraged. Get help, amen. Christians are asleep. Our Baptist church pews, we're filling people who are asleep. You read about sleep in the Bible for believers. You remember there in Matthew chapter 13, verse 25, the parable of the of the tares amongst the wheat. How did the tares get there? While men slept, his enemy sowed tares. Matthew 13, 25, look at it. While men slept, his enemy sowed tares among the wheat. While we're asleep, the enemy is running amok and afoul throughout our congregation sowing tares amongst the wheat. Finding something to cause you to get the pooch lip about when you really ought to be lifting your head up because your redemption dropped nigh. Getting you distracted on things in the world that don't even matter. Mm. Matthew 25. You remember the parable he gave us of the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. And the wise had their lamps and had all trimmed and ready for it. But the five foolish, they had lamps, but they didn't have any oil. They were foolish. And the Bible says they all, look it up, Matthew 25, 5, they all, not just some, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight was the cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. And what was we doing? We were asleep. Wake up, church. Man, if we've ever sung songs in this choir to 
Praise the Lord. The time is now. It's not a time to be dull and boring. It's time to pick up the pace and praise God and have some life in you. I'm, I'm telling you, we cannot get up here and say, standing on the promises of Come on, y'all. I need something that's got, I don't want to come either to hear that. We need something that's got some life in it. I need to preach to a congregation that's got some life in them. And get excited about God and go and tell a lost and dying world that Jesus changed their lives and gave them new life. That's our job. The warning is very clear. Amen. I think about that while they were, listen, in Acts, what's the chapter? 20, Acts chapter 20. And while Paul was long preaching, Eutychus was sitting up top and the Bible said he fell asleep and fell out the window and landed on the ground and he died. And Paul had to stop his message. Maybe he was preaching on the day of the Lord. Maybe he was preaching on don't go to sleep. And he went out and raised that boy up. He had to stop preaching to go care for somebody that was asleep. And you know why he fell out? He was more out than he was in. And he should have never been sitting so close to the edge anyway. Lord, that's where we are. Someone who is asleep is not in prayer. They're not in the word. They're not faithful to church. They're not trusting the Lord. Hey, but to be sober is to be aware. It's to be alert. It's to be awake. It's to be watching. I've got to move on. Look at verse number eight. We've got to be armed. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Again, there's a contrast. What is it, preacher Darren? It's a contrast of being prepared or being unprepared. I don't know how many contrasts I've had so far, but there's at least another one. <clears throat> We're supposed to put on a breastplate of faith and of love. Breastplate of faith. What's the breastplate do? It protects and guards your heart. If you put faith in Christ, honey, your heart will be guarded. If you put love of Christ over you, you will be guarded. Faith in Christ cannot be penetrated. And it says, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Oh, preacher Darren, there's that word hope. It means maybe. Maybe I'm saved, maybe I'm not. No, the Bible hope means, hey, write this down, it's a confident expectation. Every time you see the word hope, it's a confident expectation of that that is certain. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter how bad it looks, that's what it's about. Amen. You're to keep your head. <laughs> You're to guard your heart. Last of all, and I'm done. Number five, verse number nine. We need to be anchored. Verse number nine. For God, what's this? This is huge. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, in other words, if you're alive or if you're in the ground, buried and dead in Christ, amen, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Now, this, is, this is huge. Another contrast. Salvation versus wrath. Now go back. We're in 1 Thessalonians. We preach this verse. And I want to look at verse 10 of chapter 1. I'm almost done. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 To wait 
for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. What is the wrath to come? The day of the Lord. The judgment, the darkness, the cataclysms and the invasions of demons and all those things that go on through the tribulation. What the Bible just said? He has delivered us from going through that. It's very clear, I believe. Very clear. We're getting out of here before the day of the Lord and its darkness takes place. If you're saved, if you've obtained salvation who, through Jesus Christ who died for us, honey, you're not going through the darkness. You're going through the light. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, I got to read some more. Jeremiah 10, 10. Oh, here you go, preacher. Read more. I got to. Jeremiah 10, verse number 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. And his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. I could read Revelations 15, verse 1, and 16, verse 1. Revelation 15, 1. I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Revelation 16, 1. I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways, pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. Preacher Darren, why is he pouring out wrath? Because they rejected his son. Listen, in the army, if one private beats up another private, they may go before a court and one might get thrown in the brig because he slapped a fellow officer. But if that same buck private slaps a captain to the face, his punishment will be greater because of the rank of the captain. Imagine if he slapped the president through the face. His punishment would be greater for slapping the president than for the captain than for the buck private. They rejected the only begotten son of Almighty God. How great would the punishment and the wrath of God be for that. We see Jesus already faced the wrath of God for me. On the cross, he took upon himself my sin and your sin. And having taken upon himself the wrath of God, he's delivered us from the wrath of God which is to come. Woo! We are saved. What does that mean? I'm saved from the penalty of sin. I'm saved from the power of sin. I'm saved. One day when I get to heaven, I am saved from the presence of sin. Satan and sin cannot enter there because Jesus has saved me. Well, we're given the truth to prepare for his coming. And it's clear Jesus raptures the church. It's clear the day of the Lord takes place. We as Christians are not going to be here. Wherefore, comfort, verse 11, comfort yourselves together and edify, what does that mean? To build up, 
edify one another, even as also you do. You know what you need to do? You need to encourage and build each other up. You know what you do with your social media? You tear each other down. We need to be building up, not tearing down. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. There's a time that we get encouraged and build up. There's a time we get admonished and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. You need to find a brother or a sister who's teaching, edifying, admonishing, and they're being a blessing to you. You need to make sure and appreciate, highly esteem what they're doing. And look at this. You ought to underline this. And be at peace among yourselves. You ought to. Somebody asked me, said, Preacher, what can I get you for your birthday? What can I get your pastor appreciation? What can, listen, y'all take care of me. I love y'all. Appreciate you. But you really want to do something for me to be a blessing? Be at peace among yourselves. You would make my life so much easier if you'd just be at peace amongst yourselves. It would be such a gift to me if you'd just be at peace among yourselves. When I was little, real little, we were, went to Cape Canaveral and they was going to have a liftoff. We had to stand way back, but you could hear them counting. That countdown had been going on for weeks, months probably, and weeks, and it got down to T minus 10, 9, 8, and they counted down, and that rocket lifted off. I saw, wow, wow, that was impressive. May I say to you tonight, y'all, the countdown's off. It's on right now. The countdown's on. It's been counting down in eternity past. It's been counting down. And I don't know where the count is right now, but just imagine with me. They get down to 15, 14, and the angel got his trumpet. He's passing it up, getting ready for it to sound. The Lord Jesus has scooted up to the edge of his seat on the right hand of God the Father. All of heaven steps out of their mansions for just a moment and hears nine, eight, seven. They start lining up the streets. Four, three, two, one. Lift off and we, whoo, we're going to leave this place. We're gone, amen. Death can't hold us. The grave can't hold us. Biden can't hold us. Supreme Court can't hold us. COVID can't hold us. Cancer can't hold us. We're gone. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we need to be a church that's preparing for the second coming of Jesus Christ. You stand to your feet. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for teaching us, showing us your word. Lord, I appreciate it. Help us, God, to share it with our fellow man. Help us, God, to take it to heart, to receive it, to examine these truths and the word of God to see if it's been rightly divided. Help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Save our families. Oh, God, save our families. And, Lord, I don't know what will happen, but right now I've supposedly got a grandbaby in the womb. And if time stands and it's born, and if it lives some time here on earth, God, it'll need to be saved. 
God, I'm praying already. God, would you save it? <laughs> God, would you give it faith? God, would you convict it? God, would you help it? Lord, I love you. Ask your blessing upon the time tonight in Jesus' name.